God. Good morning, NBT. How are you guys doing today? I am really glad to see you. It's a little warm day out. I like it. It's kind of cooler in here, but we'll see how long that lasts. And um, today we are continuing in our series. It's a series called The Jesus I Never Knew. And the reason is because we want to know Jesus the way he wants us to know him. We want to experience him the way he wants us to experience him. We want to reach out to him in the way he wants us to reach out to him. So we decided that we were going we were gonna to do a series to see if we can get to know Jesus a little bit deeper. We, we said at the very first week, and I can't do it like I, sometimes I do the whole series in one message. I can't do that. Um, but what I can, if you want to hear, if you missed some of the messages in this series, we give them away for free. Um, you can go on iTunes and podcast them. It's like NBT Church or NBT Church Sermons. You can um, get them. There's, I think, two of them up there, like two different NBT churches up there. One of them is our first try that doesn't work. The second one is our, the actual one that worked. And so you can catch all of our sermons from there. And uh, you can get them for free and kind of catch up. But basically what we said is this, is that Jesus is more than our homeboy. That Jesus is just a little bit more than uh, a buddy on the street. He's more than our homeboy. We said the first week, we said that he's Savior and that he's God. We said a lot more about him throughout the rest of the series. But we started off that he's Savior and he's God. He saves and he's God. So today we're going to talk about how Jesus is better. He's just better. And we're going to go into, everybody just kind of open up your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. And while you're getting to Hebrews chapter 8, I'm going to, if you don't have your Bible, we've thought about you. If you're here, some of you guys are here for the first time. We're so glad that you're here. If you don't have your Bible, we've thought of you. Up on the screen, you're going to see all the scripture that we're going to be reading from today. And so you could be able to follow along. Don't stress it. And um, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to get right into it. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, your name deserves to be famed and your name deserves to be lifted high. You deserve to be worshipped and honored. You deserve to be celebrated and loved. You deserve to be obeyed and submitted to. Father, uh, you know those that are here whose homes are anything but peaceful. Whose lives are anything but resting in you. You know those who came in here arguing and upset. You know the families who seem to be falling apart at the seams. You also know the marriages that are just a second away from divorce. Lord, you know the rebellious children who are doing things that their parents don't approve. You know it all. And so, Lord, we do come to you humbly asking that you would have your way, that you would touch marriages and lives, that, Father, if there's any sin in our hearts, that we would confess it to you, lay it before you, and repent from it. Father, that we wouldn't love ourselves so much that we wouldn't obey you. Help us, O God, to be the kind of people with the kind of surrender that you've called us to be. Father, I pray for this service that your word would go out in a very powerful way, that you would remove every distraction, and that we would be able to focus on you. Thank you, Lord, for being here. Thank you for what you're about to do. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. And I ask, oh God, that you would just move in a powerful way in this place. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay. We're looking at the letter of Hebrews. Let me just tell you the the sort of the gist of the letter of Hebrews. Hebrews is a book written to a Jewish community who had been very, very religious, then had come to Christ, then were sort of dispersed in different places, and they were experiencing persecution again. In other words, they had loved uh, the Old Testament law. They would be, you know, they were Jews... And then they heard of Jesus realizing that he's the Messiah, 
realizing that he's the chosen one. So that they said, you know what? We're going to submit to Jesus. We're going to give our hearts to Jesus. And as a direct result of doing that, they, they received a great deal of persecution. Not, kind of, not the kind of persecution that you and I receive. Like some of y'all will receive persecution at your jobs, right? If you're a guy, they go, oh, go, oh dear, here comes pastor so-and-so. You know, they'll make fun of you a little bit. And you go, man, I'm being persecuted. That's not quite what we're talking about. These people lost their um, income. They lost their jobs. They were, um, they were black uh, they were blackballed from different segments of society. They really experienced deep persecution. It affected them financially. It affected them relationally. It affected them in every way that you can imagine. Well, they came to Christ and they stood firm. But and then they moved to different places. And they started to experience the old persecution. And they started to revert back to their old Judaism. They said, this is just too hard. So that's the context by which this letter is written. And the whole point of the entire letter of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, the whole point is this. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Let's say that together. Jesus is better. Now watch this. Say it the way I'm saying it because you'll remember it that way, okay? I say, I want you to make it like two words. Okay, Jesus is better. He is, and he is. And so what we have in chapter 8 is, is sort of like, not a concluding statement, but it's, it's sort of like he's been building up, ramping up, ramping up. In chapter 1, we have him saying, Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than our rituals. Jesus is better than the sacrifice. Jesus, and all throughout the first seven chapters, he's saying, Jesus is better. This is such an important letter for us today because many of us may find ourselves in the same predicament as these Hebrews. See, they had lived their lives in such a way that it actually, their, their lifestyles made them feel like they were separated from God. And so when Jesus was introduced into their heart, they jumped at it and they absolutely fell in love with Jesus. But after a little while of tough going, after a little while of persecution and standing firm for a little while, they started to fall back to their old behaviors, their old ideas, and their old ways. And the letter saying, no, 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 you don't have to run back. You don't have to go back to where, from where you came from. You can continue to pursue Jesus till the end. That's where we find um, in the book of Hebrews. Now, Jesus fulfills offices that were uh, sort of shadows in the Old Testament that were glimpses of Jesus in the New Testament. There's at least three offices that we're going to talk about today. And one that we're really going to focus on. Okay? It's the, uh, these three offices. Prophet, priest, king. Everybody say that with me. Prophet, priest, king. A prophet was the person who represented God to the people. In other words, the, prophet, the prophets would say over and over, Thus saith the Lord. You ever, ever seen that in the Old Testament? They don't speak for themselves. They're speaking for God. You have information that you need to know. In fact, God wants you to know. And God wants you to know it to such a degree that he has sent somebody. In this case, in the Old Testament, a prophet. Now, we have the word of God today. So we don't need people to come up to us and say, thus saith the Lord. We have thus saith the Lord right here. Right? It's very convenient. But back then, they didn't have the full canon of God's word. In other words, they didn't have a book like we have it today. And so the, the stuff that they said is the words that we have here. So somebody wrote them down, and they would say, Thus saith the Lord. And then they would proceed to say what God told them. Very interesting thing about that. Jesus never said, Thus saith the Lord. He would say this. You ever notice this? Jesus would say, You've heard it said. And then what does he say after that? But... 
I tell you. Because when you're the Lord, you can say, I told you. He speaks with authority and power. He's Jesus. He's God. He's majestic. When he speaks, it's awesome. And he's speaking the very words of God because he, in fact, is God. So there's the prophet. Jesus is a better prophet than the prophets you've been listening to. Jesus is a better, listen to me, I was with uh, relatives yesterday, and um, we were having a discussion, I just love these discussions, because they help me to, you know, and they always bring it up, right, score, I don't even have to bring it up with my relatives, right, so I'm with my relatives, and one of my relatives says this, he says, hey, you know, um, I read, and, you know, he just keeps on telling me, you know what, there are better prophets than the one that you're reading, there's a better prophet than the one that you're reading, his name is Jesus, I loved it. He said, Edwin, just boil it down to me in in just a little, you know, nutshell. I said, okay, you're going to hell because you're under God's wrath. You desperately need Jesus. Now accept him. That was as simple as I can make it for him. And and he he thanked me for my clarity. He wasn't confused after that. But um, we need a prophet to reveal. Jesus is a better prophet. But there's not just prophets. There were kings. Kings were, was an office in the Old Testament where they received, they were supposed to. Honestly, there was a ton of bad kings, but here's how it was supposed to work out. They were supposed to receive information, direction on a national level for the whole community as to what to do and where to go um, nationally. And so the king would hear from God and then his leadership would lead them in the right direction. Here's the problem. Not every king was for God. And even the ones that were, all, were for God didn't always obey God every moment. Listen to me. Jesus, the Bible tells us, is our king. He's our heavenly king who not only hears from God, is God. Who not only directs us, but leads us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is king. And then what we're going to focus on today is Jesus as mediator, or we're going to call him priest. Jesus as priest. Now, prophet represents God to the people. Priest represents people to God. Some of you grew up in this tradition, depending, like, right, you were, you know, uh, you could have been Lutheran, you could have been, you know, Catholic, you could have been Methodist, where, where in to some degree... The professional, the, the person who was stood up and shared, he represented you to God. And, and, you know, that's fine. I'm not, like, throwing stones at it. I'm just saying that you had a person that you, and this is just your experience, you would say this. Yes, if I sinned, if I uh, uh, did something that was against God's will or his law, what I would do is I would go into a booth, I would tell the priest who represents me to God, that priest would then give me information about things that I ought to do, representing God to me, right? And then I would go on my way. And I would either do what he asked me to do. Now, some of you grew up in that tradition. Not attacking that tradition, praise God. You grew up in that. I'm sure you received a lot of blessings. I'm sure there's some wonderful um, information that you got. All I'm saying is, is that Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm your priest. I'm your priest. Because what would happen is, is that the priest, that when you got involved with the priest, you got involved with a bunch of hoops, a bunch of running around, a bunch of doing, doing, doing. And God said, no, no, no. There's another thing that's going on here. And I want you to see it. Jesus is our priest where we know longer, no longer have to rely on other people. We no longer rely. Let me just tell you this, right? Everything that you learned about God, I'm going to just, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to extend it. It's going to be a blanket statement. Some of you are going to get shocked by this. Everything you've ever learned about God and how to relate to God is wrong. Can we let that sink in for a second? 
everything you've ever learned about God is wrong. In our ideas, there's, there are things that we have to do, things that we have to be in order to be acceptable by the King God. And the Bible writes a whole book of Hebrews, whole book of Galatians, whole book of Romans to say, no, it's not about what you do for God. It's about what he's done. Now, uh, to illustrate this, I have a friend um, who uh, is really, really cool. Um, met him recently, got baptized here not too long ago. And he's going to help us to illustrate this, okay? And so I'm going to ask Roy to come up. Here's Roy. Give Roy a hand. All right. Now, for, for the next half hour or so, Roy's going to run on this thing. Praise God. Now, the reason Roy... Go ahead, Roy. Start running. The reason Roy is going to run on that thing... Thanks, Roy. The reason... Now, look up at me. It's okay. He's going to keep on going. The, the reason is, is because this is an incredible illustration of what it looks like to be in a religious uh, system. When you're in a religious system, keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Make sure that you sit down, kneel, stand up. Make sure that you open up close. Make sure that you do these things in order to gain the favor of God. And if you would continue to do these things in order to get the favor of God, if you can just run far enough, do more, exercise your religious muscles, then, then you can be right with God. You can be in a good relationship with God. This has been everybody who I talk to about God goes, oh yeah, but what about if I do this? Or what? And I go, you missed the point. It's not what you do. It's not about how far you can run. It's not about how long you can run. It's about what Jesus has done. And so here's a nightmare. Some of you have come to church. I don't know. Maybe this is your story. Maybe this is your cousin's story. But maybe you know of someone who's come to church and you go to church for three weeks and all you hear is treadmill runner. You better be a tre better treadmill runner. You better be a better treadmill. Get your time up. Get your time up. Run faster. Run harder. And you do your best to run and run faster and run harder. You do your best to keep going and you do it. For two weeks, two months, two years, whatever, the 20 years. And then, because in your mind, you're a runner and you've extended so much energy, God is a debtor to you. In other words, because I've read my Bible... God must bless me. Which, by the way, is American Christianity. It's absolutely disgusting. Please don't get your biblical information from the television. Please. The idea is, God, you, God, here's what it is. There's a bunch of empty seats here. And God really needs your worship. So won't you be kind enough to just show up on Sunday and God will make a deal with you. The deal is, if you can run that much, come to church, then God will take his little sprinkly blessing dust and he'll sprinkle it all over your life and you'll be blessed and oh my goodness i came to church on sunday it's like it's nothing different than having a lucky uh, like a rabbit's foot right well i gotta take my rabbit's foot and i rub it before i go on the interview right and then i go i get the interview yay lucky rabbit's foot we've got this as christians we've got this down to a science we come to church, read our Bible. Brother, pray for me that I get that job. And then we go, go that was our lucky rap. That was our running. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. There's something that you're missing here. Because here's, here's the deal. You can't run forever. Can you? I mean, do you got that much energy in you? Jesus said, there was a system in place by which priests and people ran. And they sacrificed every year. And they sacrificed multiple times a year. And they would kill goats and kill lambs and shedding blood because there's only one way to forgive sin through, this, uh, through the shedding of blood. 
And there was a system that they were involved in that absolutely had them going, going, going. And then Jesus comes in and says, listen, I've already done it all. Everything. You can't. This is not, this is not churchianity. It's Christianity. It's on Christ. He's done it all. And so the Hebrew, with that much passion, says, I don't want you to continue running. I don't want you to continue going. Isn't it exhausting? Aren't you tired of, God, if I do this, will you do that? I mean, did he, and God just doesn't play that game, does he? Right? God will disappoint you. If that's the way that you believe in God, God will disappoint you. We don't say these things consciously, but they run in our minds. Here's, what, here's how it goes. We lose the job, and in our minds we go, God, where are you? As if God left somewhere, went to the bathroom and forgot that you needed a job. Or we go, God, what about, you know, it's, gosh, I'm not getting any younger. What about a spouse? God, where are you? And if God doesn't deliver fast enough, then we leave. Because he didn't respond to our running. He didn't respond. It was a barter system. You didn't have a God. You had a partner. You had a business associate. If I do this, you do that. God is saying, no, I don't want you to get caught up in a legal, religious system. I, wa I don't want you, listen to me. I don't want you to trust your good works, Jesus will say. I don't want you to trust your righteousness. Listen, some of you guys, listen, what's... Some of you guys, and I hate to say some of you guys, some of us, like me, right? You trust your purity. And when you're pure before the Lord, you go, I got a great relationship going with Jesus, right? Am I the only one who's like religious like this, right? And, and, and you know, when, when I'm doing well and I'm keeping my eyes where they're supposed to be and my thoughts are good and, you know, I'm not looking at anything that I shouldn't look at, I go, man, I'm just, me and Jesus, like this, we're tight. But then the moment that I blow it, I go, oh, no, can't pray, can't talk to Jesus, can't read. Why? Because we're no longer tight. I stopped running, and he doesn't like that. Listen, what I want to get across to you today is that Jesus is our priest. He's our media. He's done all the work that you would ever have to do in order to have a deep relationship with God. And trusting anything other than the finished work of Jesus Christ is trusting an idol, trusting a God. And I just want to keep you from that. So, with that in mind, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 8. This writer has been writing for a while. But remember, he's writing to religious people who keep on going, who think that if they could just jump through the hoops, think that if they could just keep doing more, that they'll be right with God. And he's saying, no, you've missed it. Let's read. Verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1. The point of what we are saying is this. In other words, I've been building up for the last seven chapters. I've been building up to this. What's the point? We do have a high priest. In other words, look up at me. We do have someone. Remember what the high priest did? We did this a couple of weeks ago. I wonder if you remember. Some of you were in here. Remember the high priest would go... And he would get himself ceremonially clean and go through unbelievable process and really get himself ready and his heart ready and his mind ready and his thoughts and his ideas. Right? Listen. And, and, and then he would go and he would get the ceremonial clothes on and he would go sacrifice the animals and then take the blood. The high priest would take the blood into the holy of holies, right? The temple that only one person was allowed and only one time a year for one purpose, the sin of the community. And he would go and he would sprinkle the blood and this priest would go into the holy of holies and represent the people for God sprinkling the blood as an atonement for their sin. Well, Jesus is saying, um, the, the writer of Hebrews is saying this. No, we don't need someone to go before God on our behalf. We don't need someone to run to God on our behalf in order to make us right with God. We've already gotten that. His name is Jesus. Let's read. We do, we do have such a high priest 
who sat down at the right hand of the throne of, ma- of the majesty in heaven. Listen to me. Some of you, when you think of God, you go, well, what does that mean? Like, you'll read that verse and you go, wait up. When we go to heaven, is there going to be like a, like a big, you know, chair and then like a little chair and that's Jesus' chair and he's sitting right next to God. And then, uh, this is just a, it's a, a word picture to say that no one sits at the right hand. Of the, God is not, doesn't have a physical body. What it's saying is that he's equal with God. He's in glory and majesty. To say that he's at the right hand of the throne of majesty is to say that Jesus is God. Okay, let's keep going. Um, Verse 2. And who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle. Remember the pictures that they're illustrating. Remember, this was an earthly picture that God had put. The tabernacle was an earthly picture that God put on the world so that to, to give you images of heavenly things. And who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord, not by man. Look up at me. In other words, it's not in, it's not in somebody making a connection. Hebrews, listen to me. It's not in somebody making a connection for you with God. God has already done that. Think about this. God has for himself, he's the one that ought to be worshipped and you're the one who ought to worship him. And God has said, I know what I'll do. I'll do all the work. I ought to be worshipped and I'll sacrifice myself for their sin and I'll through, through me, they can worship God. Isn't that amazing? It's like, it's like the deeper that you go in Christ, the deeper that you go, it's just amazing. The offices and the positions that Jesus holds. Verse 3, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. In other words, every high priest's job was to make the people right with God. And this high priest did the same thing. If he were on earth, he would not be um, a priest, for there are already men who offer gifts prescribed by the law. Listen to me. There's already, what is he saying? My Hebrew brothers, listen to me. There's already religious systems going on. If you want it, there's within walking distance of this block, Half a block down, you have the Hare Krishna. You want to work a religious system? Let me give you some options. You have <coughs> the Hare Krishna. The, cent- like the, the, the center of Hare Krishna world is a block down, right? I mean, at least in the East Coast it is, right? That's, the, that's like the central location. They have all their, you know, it's a block down. If you go about two blocks down to Atlantic, you have several mosques to choose from. Go, right? If you want to just do a religious system, if you want to continue to keep running, if you want to continue to keep trying, because you know what? God can't possibly love you. God's sacrifice for you couldn't possibly have been enough for you to be acceptable to God. So you keep running. You keep going. There's another option. A couple of miles down, maybe a mile and a half, there's a Jehovah Witness. And if you just, you know, um, that's their, you know, the, the Watchtower and Track Society. It's just about a mile and a half down. But you can find several Jehovah Witness, uh, uh, Jehovah Temples, um, Jehovah Witness Temples um, strewn throughout Brooklyn. So you don't have to walk the actual mile and a half. You can only walk maybe a quarter of a mile and you can reach them. What's the point? There is no shortage of religious ways of people to go and can try to connect with God. And God is saying, that's all been done for you. I like to illustrate it this way. There are three ways that people tend to look at relationship with God. Let me give you the first one. The first one is the one hand up approach. It's the one hand up approach. What's the one hand up approach? It's, it's the cult thing. It's when I do everything in order to please God, I reach up to God, and if I do well and I can grab God and I can do God's will, then I'm fine. If I let go, then God is not with me. God has cursed me. It's the one hand up approach, right? That is cultish. That has nothing to do with the Bible. That is as far from Jesus as you can imagine, right? The one hand up. There's another approach, And this we see in American Christianity 
all the time. It's everywhere. It's in the air you breathe. It's in the, 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 the pores. It, it goes into your pores. It's everywhere. Here it is. It's the two-handed approach. I reach up to God, but then God reaches down to me, and he grabs a hold of me, and this is the way that I get a relationship with God. I try, then God tries, we somehow meet in the middle, we grab one another, and this is American Christianity all over the place. And again, it's the, the treadmill. Keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. As long as I can reach up to God, God will grab onto me and we'll keep on going. This is what the Hebrews were struggling with. I mean, aren't you just tired of that? Like, don't you just get exhausted of trying to please an unpleasable God? Don't you get tired of trying to please a God who's, who's just so fickle that five minutes uh, after you've pleased him, he's now unpleased because you forgot to do something? Or you're not sweating enough for God? Or you're not working hard enough for God? Let's look at Roy here. He's working, isn't he? If you could see, if you were close enough, you'd see that his t-shirt's getting drenched. He's working. He's doing, watch this. This is the illustration of your relationship with God for many of you. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. And you are so nervous that you won't be able to keep it going. You're so nervous that you're going to blow it. You're so nervous that you're going to mess up. And God is going, you t- I did it for you. You don't have to run to the old ways of relating to me. Let's go to verse 5. They serve at a sanctuary. That means these priests, this religious system, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and the shadow of what is in heaven. Remember we talked about that first week? Right, we did the tabernacle thing. That these are just shadows and copies of what was to come. They serve at a, uh, uh, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. In other words. The reason that Moses had to be so exact, the reason that the religious system was not so that they can keep on going in and of themselves, but so that when the Messiah came, they would recognize him. Because Jesus is better. Verse, uh, we're still in verse 5. Verse 6. But the ministry, listen to this, but, however, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the, co- uh, as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. Listen to me. In other words, what Jesus has done is far better than you trying to perform, than you trying to do. Did you pray today? Good. Then you're good with God. Did you not pray today? Oh, you blew it. Maybe tomorrow you'll have a better day. Did you read your Bible today? Good. You're, good. you're golden. God will give you everything you ask. Listen to me. Listen to me. What this does is put you in a partnership with God. And God does not want you to be a partner with him. God wants you to be his kid. My kids have, not, have to do nothing to gain my pleasure. I just, it's a pleasure for me to be around my kids. I love when my kids are to themselves. It would be weird to me. I just recently took my kids to the circus, right? And, you know, they have those, uh, and years ago I took my son when he was way too young and he wasn't old enough to appreciate it. But um, we went and we got the, uh, you know, the light thing. Like it's it's a flashlight that kind of shoots open. And you go like that and it lights up and all that other stuff. And I went to my son, I said, hey, Edwin, I want you to have, uh, you know, one of these sword things. You want one of these swords? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been weird if he would have said, um, Father, I only want your pleasure. So would you tell me which color sword you'd like for me to have for this particular gift? It would be weird, right? Would you agree that that would be weird, right? That's weird because I don't, I, I, it's just a pleasure for me to get it for him. It's a pleasure for God. Listen. He loves you. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. Now watch this. If you're not in Christ, 
There's a different story here. I'm speaking to Christians in this message. So if you're not in Christ, we got issues, and we should talk about them, okay? It, you know, the, the end of the road doesn't look so well, right? You're still on the performance. You're still going. You're still sweating. You're still going. But God, why aren't you doing enough for me? Not knowing that you're running in place. You're not getting anywhere. You're not getting anywhere. Jesus is saying, I don't want you on the treadmill of performance. I don't want you to keep on running. So there's three ways, right, that most people will look at relationship with God. The first one is hand reaching up to God. God, I'll do everything, and please just be careful. You know, this is, these are cults. These are Jehovah Witnesses. These are, these are uh, Mormons. These are uh, uh, Muslims. This is just, I'll do everything, God, you know. And then the American Christianity is, I'll do something, you do something, we'll come into a partnership, you'll hold me all the way through. Anybody knows that if you've ever had some kid's hand, right, have you ever walked with your kid, like a little young kid? Every time, I I found this out very early on when I would walk with my kids, I would walk with my kids, and if they fell and they just had a hold of me, you know what would happen when they tripped? They would hit the ground just as hard as if they weren't holding me. They just don't have the strength to hold on to me. It was only when I held them when they tripped, my arm automatically jerked up and they swung, right? That's a great picture of your relationship with God. Jesus holds you. You don't deserve that kind of love. You go, but I'm not worthy. And then I go, oh, that's so good that you said that because you're so close to the point. Of course you're not worthy. You're still on the treadmill of performance. You're wasting a lot of energy not going anywhere. So there's the first is reaching up. The second is, and there's the third. This is what we believe in this church. The third is God reaching down and grabbing you. Isn't that a better picture? That's what the Hebrews passage is saying. Not the priest, not doing all the stuff. Listen, are you watching? Is everybody here watching Roy? Isn't it true? Aren't you just getting tired just watching him? Like, don't you almost, like, you just want me to stop the sermon just because, like, gee whiz, you're putting the guy through so much suffering, right? And watch this. You're not even running. You're not even running. You're sitting in a comfortable seat. And you're just like, please stop. Listen, listen. Don't you feel bad for the guy? Listen to me. This is really big. Tune in. If you shut me out for the whole message, tune me into this. This is big. If you feel that towards Roy... You are unbelievably close to understanding how Jesus feels towards you. You are unbelievably close to understanding what the writer in Hebrews has been trying to say all along. Stop your running. Stop your performing. You couldn't earn it if you tried. Just receive the gift. Just receive. In a second, our performer is going to stop running in a minute, right? He's going to stop running. I'm going to have a little mercy on him. I was going to let him go for the whole sermon, but I won't. Watch this in a second. Listen to me. Listen to me. But before I stop him from running, in Jesus' name, receive this, okay? I want to stop you from running. I want you to stop running. I want you to stop performing. I want you to stop trusting in your righteousness. I want you to stop trusting in your church attendance. I want you to stop trusting in your ability to do right and and cross little old ladies across the street. I want you to stop. And then some of you who are very religious right now in your heart, you're going, ah, that can't be. That can't be because then they won't be faithful. And then they won't. No, they'll just need a different motivation. And here's the different motivation. Jesus loves You. That's the motivation. Ask me. Ask me. Let me tell you something. When I'm with my wife, and a lot of you guys will experience this, not every time. Can every guy here understand, I hope you understand this about your wife, that your wife is not in the mood every time you're in the mood, right? Does everybody understand that? Oh, you think you're that sexy, right? You ain't. Let me just give you a clue. You're kidding me, really? You're not. Okay. So, all right. Watch this. And yet, yeah, I know it's uncomfortable sex, church, ew, I don't know. Yeah, well, where else are you going to talk about it, right? I mean, it's church. God made it for crying out loud, so let's enjoy it. So watch this. If you agree with that, right, and you understand that, there's moments, right, where, where you just, you get blessed. It's like she's not in the mood, but she 
She embraces you. She loves you. And you go through this beautiful act, right? It's, it's worship. It's wonderful. It's gorgeous. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus wants you to just receive his love. Not because you're sexy. Not because you can perform well. Not because you're cool. Not because, because he loves you. And because my wife loves me, not because of anything else, she'll embrace me in moments like that. That's your story in Christ. Not because of anything that you do. In fact, you're only, you're only not deserving of this good grace of God. You're ill-deserving. Not only do you not deserve it, you, you went against it. God had to pick you up out of the mic. Isn't it true? Isn't it your story? If I, if I just pass this microphone around, we would start talking about our relationship with Jesus. And we would say, well, I, I, you know, my mother taught me about Jesus. And I didn't come to Jesus till when? Till my head hit a brick. Till my life fell into shambles. Till everything fell out from under me. Till I was crying in a corner by myself. Right? You ran on your own race until your legs couldn't carry you anymore. And then God says, you mind if I take you the rest of the way? You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. We've got a better priest. We've got one who's done all the calisthenics. Listen, before he stops running, do me a favor. Would you stop running? You think you're tired of him? God's been watching you do this for two decades. You think you're tired of him? God's been watching you do it for four decades. You think you're tired of him? God did this work 2,000 years ago. Stop performing and start resting. Take a break, Roy. Start resting in Christ. Start resting that Jesus has you. Watch this. We got a better high priest. One who told us, who tapped us on the hand and said, I want you to stop running in your relationship with me. Not running away. You stopped that a couple of years ago. I'm talking about the running that you do in the relationship. Stop trying to earn my love. You already got it. Stop trying to earn my favor. You already got it. Stop trying to earn my blessing. You already got it. Listen to me. If you, watch this. Here's what he, he did it 2,000 years ago. So what you do is you, you agree. You're like my relative, right? Here's, here's, it is, here's the Bible in a nutshell, right? You are under God's wrath. You have, I don't have to convince you of this. You know it. You walk around with guilt and shame. And it's why you look at people's feet. I don't even have to, sh- I don't even have to, stretch this out you are under god's wrath we all are without jesus we're all under god's wrath i say this all the time god had the biggest problem in the world he had to figure out how to get sinners to come into his presence because only holiness can come into his presence and he had the hugest dilemma how can i get these guys and so jesus came god in the human flesh came down and lived the life you should have lived and died the death you deserve to die and rose on the third day for your salvation and went ahead to build a rocking crib for us in heaven. Listen to me. And then he says, rest. You don't have to perform we don't have to go back to those religious rituals. We don't have to. We don't have to. We can rest in Jesus. But I'm struggling with smoking. That's okay. So is half of the, half of the rest of the congregation, quite frankly. Yeah, but uh, listen, it's not, don't trust in your non-smoking or smoking. Because then that'll be your savior. And you'll never know Jesus. Oh, but I'm, you know, I'm not having sex. Look at me. I'm a super Christian. I'm grateful that you're not having sex. You know, that you're, I'm grateful. Like, that's a good thing. That's like, that's, you know, I'm not having sex like, you know, if you're having sex outside of marriage, it's, these are good things. I'm not just saying that this is bad. If you're having sex outside of marriage, you need to just go ahead and stop. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting the other person. You go, no, I'm having a great time. Give it a minute. Give it a minute. Not everything that you, listen, if you've ever had an argument with your spouse and said to yourself, but all I said was, like you said this to yourself, but all I said was this, it's because they carried baggage into the relationship 
And you don't think that you do too? Yeah, you do. Sure you do. Listen to me. Listen to me. He says, rest in me. If you're, if you're living pure, we praise God about that. But that doesn't get you. That doesn't get him to love you anymore. Surrendering in him. Now, if you don't know him, to rest in him. Some of you, again, if you're religious, you're going, oh no, then everybody's just going to do what they want. And if you're here, and you just heard about the incredible sacrifice and how Jesus gets you to stop running. And then, after that kind of love, after that kind of mercy, if you, in your heart, say, I think I'll go back to running again, I think I'll go back to living a crazy lifestyle again. If you don't, I can't imagine my wife cheating on me over and over again, using the excuse that I love her as a reason for cheating on me. You would, you would, you would beg to say, you must have not loved that dude. Oh, no, 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 I love him. The reason I cheat on him is because I love him. No, 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 time out, time out. Watch this. When I run, when I do well before the Lord, and, and listen, I'm a guy who prays. Just so you know, I pray several hours a day. Just so you know, I read the Bible cover to cover, sometimes three times a year, sometimes four times a year. Just so you know. So, so this is a guy who's like, you know, I'm not saying that these are bad things. I do them. I love them. They're not the foundation of my relationship with Jesus. The foundation of my relationship with Jesus is the finished work that he has done on the cross. That's where I'm getting you to. We're talking about salvation. He, listen, Jesus is better. He's better than your old religious ways. My prayer is that you would receive this. Rest in him. And listen, get your breath back. Resting in him, rejoicing in him, understanding that he's done the work for you and that you can get to know him, not because of what you do, but because of what he's done. Not one-handed up, uh-uh. Not two-handed. If I do, will you? No, no. Him picking me up and bringing me to himself against my will, quite frankly. I wanted to continue sinning. Isn't that your story? Like, you know, if they wouldn't have left you, you'd have just kept on with them. Wouldn't you have? Right? If, if the drugs wouldn't have stopped working, you'd have just kept on using them. Isn't that true? Like, if, you'd have, if, the, if, the, if the marriage didn't fall apart, you'd have just kept on in the, you know, if, the, if you didn't lose a job. In other words, you had to hit bottom. Right? Jesus had to, like, get you against your own will. Right? And so if he's done all that for us, my prayer is that you would surrender to him completely. I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. Thanks, wife. Now listen, every, everybody's head bowed and just prayerful to the Lord. Lord, listen, you've come in here. And just keep praying. Keep with the bowed head and praying. You've come in here. And you've been on the treadmill of performance with God for too long. You've been running, trying to get God's approval through your attending church, through your being good for goodness sake, through your suffering, through whatever. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Don't trust in your abilities. Don't trust in your purity. Jesus is saying, trust in me. If you're here, listen, that's what he wants for you. Would you trust in him? I want you to trust him. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we come before you as people who have for too long relied on priests and systems and running and exhaustion and trying to please a God who's already sacrificed himself for us. Lord, I am so prone to this. Lord, I feel guilty and I feel far away from you when I mess up, and then I feel great and prideful and close to you when I'm doing good. 
Lord, help me to repent from my religiosity. Help me to repent from an old system that you've done away with. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that you help them to repent as well. Father, I know that right now with some people who've been here for a while, they're real confused and they're, would you give them the wisdom to know what to do with this message? Lord, those who are new are in amazement and they just don't know if this could possibly be true. Would you give them the faith? Would you give them the faith to believe it and to receive Jesus? Father, would you give us all a humility to understand that none of our performance gets us any better. At the foot of the cross is a level field. And we all stand as sinful, degenerated, gross sinners. We all stand that way. And then we receive your mercy. And we receive your grace. And it's only through that that you're able to love us the way you do. It's all your work. So, Father, we repent from our religiosity. We repent from believing that anything that we do can make us our relationship right with you. And we embrace that what you've done for us has given us the power to love you. And you've given us the joy to accept you and receive you. You've given us the will to ask you into our hearts. You've given us the ability and the desire and the will to read your word, to walk in purity. Not because we start running, Lord, but because you've done it for us. We can walk in Christ. Lord, we thank you um, for all that you're doing. And we do pray that you would help us to live this out, give us wisdom to apply it in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen to me. I want you...